Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. As we wrap up this series entitled Equip, it has been our goal for the last couple weeks, uh, sharing out of Ephesians chapter 4, this theme verse, uh, that we, uh, we look at this call to be equipped, and uh, the purpose is this, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build the body of Christ, to build up the church together. And uh, so we, we're going to wrap this, this up today, and as we already heard next week, we kick off a new series as we move into the fall with our point groups and uh, excited for this season that's in front of us, and hope that you'll get plugged in and be a part of it. Uh, we looked at this the, the first week starting with our equipped, the idea of needing to grow in grace, that God has given each of us grace. How many are thankful for the grace of God that makes it possible? If it were not for grace, it's not possible to grow or even to develop or to know God. or or even to have hope without grace that comes from God. It's by grace that we're saved uh, through faith in what he has provided for us. And so grace is what he has given to make it possible. Uh, How many know that whatever God is desiring to do in your life or whatever you're believing God to do in your life, it is possible. Not because because you have a uh, positive way of thinking, but because God is a God who makes the impossible possible. It's not just your ability to think your way into something, but it is the, the, the recognition that when we agree with God, when we align ourselves up with God, that his grace makes all things possible in our lives because of God's grace. Whatever you're going through, you might need to nudge someone around you, tell them, hey, it's possible. It's possible. Whatever you're going through, you can get through and press through whatever it is because God's grace makes it possible. It seems impossible, but God's grace makes all things possible. Last week, we talked about being equipped with the necessity of prayer, that we will not be effective in what God has called us to do if we're not people of prayer, because it's prayer that God is able to direct our hearts and lead us, and uh, as we commune with God, we come, what we said last week, to be in tandem with God, to go to the heights that he's called us to, to see the things that he wants to reveal to us. And uh, today, I want to look out of Mark chapter 2, and just this readiness of being ready and prepared for what God has next. We, we know this and believe that God has things that are next in our lives. I don't know what your next is going to be. I, I don't know what your next might be in your tomorrow. I don't know what the next might be in the, the next big event that might plague or affect your life, uh, that might bring celebration, might bring disappointment. I, I don't know, but we're all in line for something to occur next. But we know this, that God knows it. How many know that God knows what's going to happen in your life tomorrow? God knows the phone call that you might get. He knows the circumstance that might come your way. He knows the the prayer that you've been praying that may finally at at a certain time be answered. God knows already the things that are yet to occur in your life. And as we're people who are equipped, equipped in growing in grace and prayer and in the purpose of God, that he makes us ready to make the most. And here's what we said with being equipped, that we want to be equipped to be ready to experience the most and even endure the worst. Because in all of those things, God is able to work. And I wish we could say that it's always just in good things. But how many know that God even uses disappointments? And not, not directly causes disappointments, but God even allow and works in our disappointments to produce good things for his glory. And that's where we have to settle in our hearts to be able to say, you are good. You're never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down. And I know there's times where, let's be real, How many know there are moments in our lives that we always have to say that with faith? But how many have had moments where it's like, God, it's taking even more faith? It's taking even more faith. I want you to know that as you stretch and as you grow and as as we trust God, as we endure, sometimes even in the process of enduring, that God is developing us and making us stronger 
Why? Because he cannot lead us into greater things if we've not been stretched and made ready to carry what God has for us. And we do that through prayer. I want to talk today in uh, Mark chapter 2. I love this story. Uh, one of my favorite stories growing up in, in church. Uh, I'm a, a product of the uh, Sunday school uh, uh, era growing up in church and, and uh, having all the stories and the, the great opportunity of, of sitting through Sister June telling me all about Jesus and, and all about, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of things that Sister June would tell me. She put the fear of God in me. I thank God for Sister June. And uh, one of these stories that would have come across and, and just love in Mark chapter 2, a story of, of uh, some friends bringing a paralyzed man to Jesus. Mark chapter 2, if you'd stand with me today as we look at this scripture together. Just a, a wonderful story, these uh, 12 verses here. It says this, that when Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, not even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. You know, I think Jesus, not I think, I know. Jesus knew what was about to happen, and Jesus was instigating this moment. He knew what he was doing. He could have easily said, hey, you're healed, pick up your mat and walk. But before he gets to that, he says, "Uh, your sins are forgiven. Jesus was instigating some responses here. But before they even were able to say it, Jesus says to them, he knew immediately what they were thinking. Look at your neighbor and tell him right now, God knows what you're thinking. He knows where your mind is right now. He knows what you're thinking about. He knows what you're already planning to order at Eaton Park. He knows whatever you've got on your mind. You're trying to figure, he knows what you're thinking. He knows the first thing you're saying. He knows right now that you're saying, I hope he gets done in time because we really have other things or others. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're thinking. So Jesus says, why do you ask this question in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say, stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I will prove that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. He was dropped down on a mat through the roof, but he did not leave the same way he came in. I want to say to you today that in Jesus' name, may we not leave out the same door that we came in. Whatever brought us here, whatever it might be, that we would not leave the same way that we came in. 
he ends up going through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God exclaiming. Here, I love this. Here's what they said. We've never seen anything like this before. I believe that there is a world that is yet to see what God is able to do, that there would be an onlooker of a stunned people who would say, we've never seen anything like this before. How many believe that's the church that God is raising up, not just here at Faith Assembly, but in our community, in our world, that we would be a church that the world would say, I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen seen someone go through like go through something like this before I've never seen them respond like this before I've never seen God at work like this before how many know he's the God of the impossible and he wants to make a world around us and through us that a world around us would see the greatness of God here's what I want to share in the next couple minutes from this title making room for more look at your neighbor just just give him a little shove and tell him excuse me I'm making room for more I'm making room for more this isn't uh some of you took the shove thing a little more aggressively uh, than, than uh, expected. I'm making room for more. Give me some space. I'm making room for more. Father, I pray today that we would have our hearts positioned and postured, that we would allow you to do that in us so that your kingdom might advance. Lord, your kingdom will advance. But Father, we want to be a part of it. Let it advance, oh God, with us. God, not in us, not because of us. But Lord, we, we want the privilege, God, of being a part of what you're doing. So Lord, let your kingdom advance, we pray, in our lives, in our church and in the purpose that you've called us. In Jesus' name, and if you agree with that today, would you just shout amen? amen? You may be seated. Tell your neighbor you're making room, making some room, making some room. Making room for more. This call that we have out of Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible tells us that the role of the apostle, the prophets, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher that their role is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ. You see, we're called to be builders, and each and every one of us who are a part of the church have a purpose and a part to play in building the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is going to advance with or without us, but God has given us the privilege to be a part of what he's doing in our day and in our time. As any person who builds knows this, you will not build much if you don't have material. You can build a whole lot in your mind and in your ideas, and you could think of what you might do, but if you don't have the materials, you'll never do anything effectively. And the materials that we're called to build with in our, in our church and in, in the ministries that God has called us to are people. We cannot build without people. Therefore, the effectiveness of what we can do is not just based on what we do, but who we affect by what we do. If all we do is something of an action but not connected to the effect on people that not unto God and for people, that if it's not connected to seeing people grow in their relationship with Christ and to see the kingdom of God advance, if it's not growing in relationship, then that is the place that where the impact is really made. It's not just that we do something, but that it's we do it unto God. How many know that is our relationship, number one, to God? And secondly, for a world that needs hope with Jesus Christ. The point that I want to make here is that we cannot be effective in doing the work of the ministry if we don't know how to effectively have good relationships with people around us. That if we cannot relate with one another, if we cannot build relationship, if we don't have a heart for lost people, we're not going to do much building because you cannot build if you don't have material. And the, in order for us to, to be equipped to do the work of ministry and to build the church, it requires us making room for more people. It requires us having a perspective that, that this is not about us. This is bigger than us. 
It's not just about our church and our place, our ministry, but it's about a world that still needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, there's two types of people that'll be in a church, and I believe we have both of these types here today, and I'm glad they're both here. And two types of people that are in a church are those who are taking up space and those who are making more room for others. Those who are taking up space and those who are making more room. I'm glad that both are here because before you ever caught the heart to be able to make room for other people, you first had to realize how much you needed Christ and to make room for Christ and come to a place that you receive from God. But in the process of receiving, it challenges us to go through a, a, a shift and a change that we're developing. It, it would look like this, and I, I just see this building process, and here's what a building process looks like. And, and these are taken from Scripture except the fourth one, and uh, you can write these down or look at these because I want to evaluate where are we today in this process because we are either at a place where we're taking up space or we're making room. I'm okay. We're okay if we're taking up space, but how many would recognize over time it means that we should grow to a point where we're no longer just taking up space. We now begin to expand and grow and make room for other people. That way we might bring others to know Jesus Christ. Do we agree with that? Do we agree that that's the heartbeat of those who follow Jesus Christ, that we are uh, we, we are concerned for what God is doing in other people's lives. Uh, scripture tells us this, that before we're to be concerned with our own issues, uh, Paul tells us we need to consider the concerns or consider uh, the thoughts and concerns of other people. Before we look out for our own desires, that we need to consider one another, that we, that we put each other first. Here's the process, the, a building process. Number one, it starts with this in a church building. And when I say church, I don't mean just the physical building. I mean us being built up as the body of Christ. It starts with this. Number one, it's come and see. The first stage that we come to is a come and see. You had a moment, and Jesus said this to some of his disciples, others who asked him, where does the Son of Man lay his head? What, where, you know, where does he sleep? Where does he live? And Jesus said to him, said, come and see. Come and see what, what, what's going on. Come and see. He gives an invitation, and the Holy Spirit has invited you and I to come and see. And we've responded to an invitation. But how many know that after time, it goes from a come and see to the next process of taste and see? How many have tasted and seen that the Lord is good? That now is no longer just what our eyes have seen, but now it's become something that we've engaged in. It's, we've gotten a taste of it. We've become a part of this. That we've, been, uh, they, we've, we've developed an appetite because we know that it's good to be in the presence of God. We love the things of God. The word of God becomes real and alive in our hearts, and we become more engaged. And then there's the, the taste and see process. After that, then, is this, the go and tell. The next stage would be go and tell. Jesus said that before he ascended into heaven, he said to those, his, the 500 some that were gathered watching him as he's ascending, he says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That we're called to go and tell. And this last one, it's not in the scripture. It's not directly in the scripture, but I believe as well, we could say that it was Philip when he sat with the eunuch. And that is this, that we come to the next stage and process a building. And that is when we sit and serve. To sit and serve. Here's why I say sit and serve. Because the impact of, of, the impact of being able to connect with folks and, and see people's lives change will only happen when we sit with people and we serve alongside them. You cannot really develop relationship if you don't sit with somebody. If we're not in a place of sitting and engaging and having relationship, you might be able to sit among someone, but how many know it's altogether different than when you sit among someone and you sit with someone? It's altogether different. I'm a Steeler fan. When I go to a Steelers game and I wear my black and gold, I've got a terrible towel like everybody else. We're going to wave the towel. We're going to be excited. And I'm among other fans, but I don't know them. 
I don't know anything about them. I don't know. I know this, that they like the Steelers, I like the Steelers. They wave the towel, I wave the towel. They know that whenever they say Pittsburgh Steelers, first down. I know the lingo. I know what they do. I know them as Steelers fans, but I don't know them any deeper than that. I don't know what's underneath the black and gold. I don't know what happens when they take off the, 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 the colors and they put on just the real every day. I don't know them in their every day. And sometimes we can get so good at knowing what we're among But really, if we're going to engage and develop in relationship, it requires a time to sit together, to even serve. We say this sit and serve here at Faith Assembly because there's a culture that we're seeing develop, and it's really among our children's ministry primarily, and that is this, that there are people who have caught the vision that they're a part of the church, but it's not just being a part of something, it's being engaged, and so they will come and serve in a 9 o'clock service, and then they will sit in an 11 o'clock service, and so they've given time because they're a part of the body as a whole, that it's not enough to just be among, but they give to sit, and they participate. There are others that are part of point groups, and we sit in each other's homes, and, and we build relationships, and we sit down to talk and engage and to really serve each other because relationships happen when we sit together and we serve. Have you ever seen on the computer that if you try to get on the computer, maybe you've had this happen before, and all of a sudden that spinny wheel comes on and it's telling you that there's no process to make right now. It's just processing and it's stuck in a point. How many have ever had that experience? All right, yeah, you guys are PC users. So that, I'm just kidding. I've I have no, I will not get in an argument. I don't care. I've got a, 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 an Apple computer and an Android phone. So I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I just, they all go together. But maybe you watch that process, that, that wheel just spin. And what's it mean? It means it's trying, it wants to, but it's stuck. It's stuck at a point that it, it's not reaching any further. It, it, it wants to, it was designed to. The builder made it to do that. It was, it was put in place to do that, but it reaches a place that it just got stuck and it's just spinning and good intentions now just become something left on the side and what was potential just becomes something that's now gone and it's just spinning. I wonder in this process that you may have gone from the come and see and have you hit a point now where maybe it's just buffering and you're kind of stuck in one of these cycles? You've gone from come and see and maybe you've even tasted to see. You taste and see that God is good, but have you come to a place of going and telling that it becomes so real? How many know that if you taste of something so good, you can't help but tell people how good it is? It is so good. Let me tell you how good Maryland blue crabs are with Old Bay steamed. I'll tell you how good they are. They're so good that it is spicy, but yet the meat has a sweetness sometimes. You put a little extra Old Bay on it. You go with a soda right with it. It is an experience. You sit there. You talk. I'm telling you, all about this. Some of you are like, I have no idea, but tomorrow when I come back home from visiting my family, I am bringing some hard shell crabs back with me, and I'm not sharing. I mean, I might consider sharing. Here's my point. I could tell you all about the excitement. I could tell you all about the experience. I could tell you what it's like, but realizing that when something becomes such a joy that you cannot help but talk about it, you can't help but describe it. But here's the reality. I can only tell you so much about what it's like. At some point, you need to taste for yourself. And sometimes we can hear the preacher, hear people talk about what it is to enter in and to experience God in a deeper way. And sometimes we can live vicariously through individuals, whether it be family members or those that are around us, and we miss the opportunity to find out for ourselves. And it's a desire we want to, but we're stuck spinning. We're just buffering. So have you 
come to see? Have you tasted to see? Are you going to tell? And then the last one, the, the sitting and serving Are you among people doing life, developing relationships so that we can make room for other people? If we're going to make room for other people, that comes a point of where we press beyond the place that we've been and we allow this process of growing. The story of Jesus, he returns home to his hometown, his area that he's he's well known. And all the people who can come into the house that he's staying in. The house is probably not this big. It's not as big as our sanctuary here. I mean, the house in all likelihood is probably something, maybe, maybe something like a 20 by 20. The outside of being able to see of people around and even the doors, they're pressing around because they wanted to hear the words that Jesus would say. And so many people are gathered to hear Jesus. See, we've made room here at Faith Assembly There's a group of people who had a vision to see ground moved and trees torn down so that a building from that point right above those speakers back might be made as a place to create a space, make room for people to come in here. So many people began to come in here that they needed to make more space. So in 1995, they added on another space, expanding this to make more room for people. And then as that began to grow, adding services, making more room, Because there were people coming and desiring, but more than just people wanting to come, there is a group of people who says we are equipped to do the work of the ministry and to build the body of Christ. And because there was that passion, there became that need to make room for more. And people catching this. Here Jesus sees this, this event that's happening and he's preaching. And all of a sudden we hear four friends. We don't know their relationship. Except that they're friends, and so if they're friends, there's some acquaintance. They know this guy. They know this paralyzed man, this paralytic man. They would have known where he lived. They knew stuff about him, and they knew him enough that these four friends went to this man's house, picked him up on his mat, and then carried him to where Jesus was. Because they knew that if they could get their friend to Jesus, that Jesus would be able to do something in their midst. And as they come, they're carrying this friend. They show up, and the place is packed. So packed that there are people out the doors and all around. You cannot even get in. It's a difficult situation. And instead of saying, man, too bad, we tried, it didn't work. They said, let's go to the roof. And someone had the bright idea to dig a hole over the place where Jesus was preaching. Now, I don't know if Jesus just kept on preaching while a hole is being dug over his head and dirt begins to fall. Because I know this, that if there was some activity of something going on above me or around me, you would not be paying any attention to what I'm saying. You would be watching the dust fall and probably lad somewhere up in the attic doing something and moving around and maybe stuck up there. I don't know. If you don't know who Lad is, Lad is our, our maintenance guy here. He oversees our maintenance and land, uh, our, our, our groundskeeping, all that. So we never know where Lad might just show up fixing something and taking care of something. You might be saying, what, what's going on? And you know this, that I'd be speaking and you would have no idea what I'm talking about because you'd be so distracted by what's going on. And Jesus in that moment wasn't like saying, hey, pay attention to me. He knew what was going on because he knew that his words that he was, was speaking was about to be something even far greater because they were going to see what they've never seen before. That they would see something like they've never seen before. I mean, I'm sure, have you ever seen that before? Someone digging a hole in the roof? All because they're so 
desperate to get someone to Jesus? Because it was something of how do you even think of that? How do you even come up with that? I mean, they could have been like, well, you know what? Just leave him at the neighbor's house. At least he's close enough. We can't get in today, so leave him there. We tried, but they didn't stop. It didn't stop them. You see, the Bible says that the church is God's and so powerful that Jesus established his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why do we have power that the gates of hell cannot prevail against us, but yet we don't know how to persevere and press through the inconveniences of life to see and believe God to do something significant? If the gates of hell cannot stop the church, then what are we allowing to stop us from bringing people to the presence of God? There was nothing stopping them, not even a crowd. They begin to dig the hole and lay him down in front of Jesus. And Jesus sees the man as he's, as he's coming down and he says these words as the man is lowered. And notice this, the Bible says that Jesus seen their faith, not the man's faith, not the paralyzed man's faith, the faith of the people who brought them. Do you know what the significance of the people who brought them? They began to see for this man something before he could even see it for himself. They began to believe, I wonder when is it that we as a church, have we caught the heart to say, I want to go into a world, and rather than seeing a world that's broken and hurting, rather than saying, I don't know what it's going to take, I don't know if they'll ever change, they've always been that way, I don't know if there's any hope for them, what about us being a people in a church who start to see hope for a world that doesn't even know how to see hope for themselves, to start believing for people who are drug addicts, and they don't even know how to get off drugs themselves, so why should we say we don't know how they will? Let's have faith that would rise up and say we believe that by God's grace that he is able to do the impossible and we might need to see things before our world is even able to see it. How many know that's a level of faith that we're able to see before a broken world is even able to see? And I know we could say things like they don't even want it. You know why they don't want it? Because they don't even know it's possible. They don't even know there's hope for it. They don't even know it could work. They don't want it. It's not that they don't want it. It's that they don't know how. They need someone to come alongside and pick up the mat and carry them into the presence of Jesus and take them as far as they can because that's the world that we're called to be in, in making room for more in a world that's lost. And Jesus says to this man, he says, seeing their faith, do you have faith for your family, for your lost kids, for your neighborhood, for your neighbors, for this community, for this world, having faith, believing that God is able to bring hope and redemption. Jesus says, seeing their faith, he says to the man, child, I think that's pretty significant because he says, you belong to me. I mean, know there's a world that needs to hear Jesus speak over them that, hey, you have a place of belonging. You belong here. And you know, one of the best ways we can do that is we can be a church saying to the world saying, hey, you belong here. Not because you act like us, think like us, look like us, behave like us, do the right things, match the prerequisite, the checklist. You belong here because God created you and he loves you and we love you because you belong to God. Jesus says to him, says, child, your sins are forgiven. Now let's be real. I don't think this man on the mat was like, oh, really good, thank you, that's awesome. I'm sure he probably laid there thinking, uh, what about my legs? What about my issue? What about my problem? I mean, what is it like to be able to know the answer? I mean, you can tell me what pie equals, and all I'll say to you is, what's it taste like? I don't care. 
you give me the pie and all the mathematical numbers and all. I, I'm sorry, I'm not a numbers guy. It doesn't matter to me. That stuff that you can tell me all the knowledge of what you know, but when I don't understand what it matters or what it means or what implication it has, what good is it for you to dump your knowledge on me and tell me all the stuff you know about math when in reality I've not even realized the significance of it? So what matters first is where I am. But Jesus knew what he was doing. Jesus knew he was going to heal the man's legs, but he knew there were people in the room and he knew what kind of response he would get. And the people who responded the most was not the people who said, oh, wow, that's great news. But the people who said, and who do you think you are? Jesus says your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees, not even saying it out loud, thinking to themselves, well, he obviously doesn't know how we do things around here. He obviously doesn't know how we have our way of doing church. He obviously doesn't know what it looks like to fit into this group. He obviously doesn't know how this is supposed to work or supposed to happen. He obviously doesn't know. And how many know the total opposite? Jesus knew. He knew what it was and he knew what it would take. And he says to them, he says, would it be easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or to pick up your mat and walk? And so you will know I am able to do both. I want to say to someone today, there is no limit to what God is able to do. There's no limit to what God is able to do. He says, so that you will know. He says, so that you'll know I have the authority to forgive sins. He says, pick up your mat and walk. This man did something significant in his life. Here's what he did. He stands up, picks up his mat, and walks through the crowd. And in doing so, he stunned the crowd, and the name of Jesus became lifted up because a man got up, carried his mat, and walked out. He didn't preach a message. He didn't do anything more than just receive the work that Christ had done and the word that God told him to do. And in a process, the Bible says everyone was amazed, and the whole place was stunned, and they said, we've never seen anything like this before. You know what I believe that God wants us to do in making room? Is that a world would look and say, we've never seen a marriage like this before. We've never seen relationships like this before. We've never seen hope fill people's lives like this before. We've never sensed peace like this before. We've never known joy like this before. Come on, if we, how many would say if there ought to be any joy on the earth, it ought to be a people of God. It ought to be us who know how to celebrate and know to how, to, how to have joy. We're good at making rules. I don't know who started that. Moses, under God's direction, but God was just setting Moses up to say, hey, Moses, all those rules you make aren't even enough for you to get in the promised land because you're even stuck outside because rules won't get you there. He was only pointing that out to say, hey, the reason why this matters is because you can't make it on your own. The reason he said your sins are forgiven is because you cannot enter anything outside of this life. If, I, if, you, if you get your legs back today but don't know Jesus, you might be able to run for the rest of your, of your life. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, you'll spend eternity in a place without God, in a place of hell, in a place of separation. Not because God will send you there, but because we've rejected the love of God and we decided ourselves to go there. We make the decisions. God has given us free will. We make the decisions 
and we make the decision to reject God, what good is it if your legs work? But Jesus is addressing the most important issue. And he says, your sins are forgiven. But not only that, pick up your mat and walk. And they've never seen anything like it before. You know what my prayer is? My prayer is that faith assembly would be a part of the kingdom of God in these days to reveal to a world something they've never seen before. That in a world that is caught up in racism, and we thought it was dealt with, it was never fully dealt with, we've just always been good to segregate and keep separate things and just learn how to just not talk about it. It's been, we've just compartmentalized it and learned how how to dance around it. We never dealt with the heart issue. We justified it, drew our line and said, well, you stay on your side, I'll stay on my side, you keep cool, I'll keep cool, we'll be good. That's not healing. Healing is when we learn how to go across the lines to really address what needs to be addressed and not in a place of argument, arguing what has been and what the, the issues are, but really at a place of saying, hey, whatever has been, has been. My life is not held up because of what's been in my past or my grandparents' past or my ancestors' past. My life is made new by Jesus Christ. Let's not talk about our past. Let's talk about the hope that we have that we will only find in Jesus Christ. Do we believe that? If we believe that, then let's be the church that shows that. I'm glad we're past the days of, well, let's all go protest something. Let's make signs and let's go march somewhere and say something. That's the world's way of doing things. I think if anything or beyond that, let's just be people who learn how to love like Jesus Christ, who learn how to have meaningful conversations, to be able to speak the truth in love and not allow ourselves to be so offended because somebody says this, we don't like it. And if it's so much truth to us, then why are we so easily offended if they've made an issue against what we believe and hold on to truth? Because as far as I'm concerned, if it's truth, it'll stand for itself. I'll just stand behind it and it will always take care of what needs to be proclaimed, what needs to be said. I don't need to argue anything over it. I'm just going to apply it and live it. And how many recognize this? Even those who were coming against uh, the apostles, they said, if it is of God, you'll never stop it. But if it's of man, it won't last. How many know that wisdom is what we ought to take? Let's just take what is of God. And when we, when we focus in on what is of God, what he's called us to do, the things of this world will not prevail, but the kingdom of God will. So let's make sure we hold on to that which is eternal and make the focus the part of proclaiming Jesus Christ and seeing people come to know the one who is the only hope, the only answer, the one who is Jesus Christ. That we are making room for more. That's my prayer, to make room for more. Make room for more people. Make room for more individuals. But let's be real, at some point, it can be easy to just say, ah, we've done enough. I want to just give you a couple things this morning, and you can write these down and if we're going to make room for more, it's going to require us to not stop because of certain things. Here's number one. Don't stop because of issues. Notice that the only way these friends were able to bring the paralyzed man to Jesus, it meant they had to go where? To the man's house. They had to show up at his door where he lived and get to where he was and pick him up. See, we can come and see and we can taste and see, but if we don't go and tell, they didn't just stop there. Then they, over time, they built a relationship. We don't know what relationship they had with the man. 
It just says that they were friends of him, but they knew this. They cared enough about him and said, you have a need in your life, and you've been rejected in your life. You have issues in your life. Listen, if we're going to reach out to a world and make room for more people, get ready for this. People will bring issues with them. Do you know why I know that? Because I have some. Let's not even talk about you. I mean, I've got issues. I mean, you don't know what's in my past. You don't know whose grandson I am. You don't know how many marriages are dysfunctional around me. You don't know the stuff that God has brought me out of and is working in my life. I'm just a generation away from demonic oppression. I've never felt suicide, but I've got family members who have gone through the struggle. And I know this, it's only by the grace of God and what Christ has done in my life that has redeemed me, not because I'm better than them or I just happen to be brought up in a different part of the family or I just happen to have this experience. The only thing that makes the difference is that I came to know Jesus Christ, thanks be to his saving grace. That's the only thing that makes us different. And there's no difference outside of that because the same grace that saved me is the same grace that can save them. You don't know the issues. And sometimes I think we forget to remind ourselves what issues God brought us out of. Because we get out of the issues and then it's so easy to get out of the issues and that's all good. But then it's easier to just sit where we don't have, quote, issues, but yet we still have our own and we deal with them in secretive ways. We hide them and pretend they don't exist. And we just stay in a place And then say things like, well, if only they'd get a job. If only they would make better decisions. If only they'd get off of drugs. If only they'd stop that. You know they want to, but they don't have anyone to carry them. Their own two feet can't get them there. Someone needs to come into the place of the hurting and the broken and have faith enough. They don't have faith enough to even just know that they might exist another day laying on a mat, but someone needs to love them enough and see the love of God to come along and say, I've got faith that you're not going to just make it another day on a mat, but God's going to raise you to your feet. You're going to walk out of the crowd. You're going to come out different than you came in and he's going to use your life to stun the crowds and bring glory to God. I've got faith that is higher than whatever your issue and your circumstance, your situation might be. It'll allow that faith to rise up, to believe that for people, to believe that for a world. I got to be honest with you. I don't know how. I don't know how. I don't know how God's going to do it. You, You tell me how messed up you were and how God brought you out of that. You tell me the dysfunction you've gone through or you've watched things go around you or you know and things you've seen. You tell me how God brought you through that and all you know is lifted hands saying, oh God, thank you for the grace that redeemed me. Thank you that my sins are washed. Thank you that I'm made new. All you've got is the grace of God. So all I know is all they need is to come in contact with the grace of God that we can be a hand that reaches out, a hope that speaks to, that we can say you might be paralyzed in a place of immobility but we'll pick you up. We'll come around. We'll come to your place of hurting and we're going to get you to the place of healing and his name is Jesus Christ. That we catch the heart for that. They come alongside and, and they don't stop because of issues. I wonder when have we stopped and we said, you know, I've tried to help those people. That we can let issues separate and say things that would easily not be able to put up with the problems and 
here's what I know. If we're going to be a growing church to reach hurting people in Fayette County, then we're going to have to know we're going to deal with issues. There's no other way. Okay, a country club. But that doesn't reach people. It doesn't help hurting people. It doesn't help those who have been brought up in dysfunction, don't even know how to respond, how to act, how to, how to operate. So we're going to have to work through issues. Number two, we've got to make sure that if we're going to make room for more, that we've, we've got to not stop because of an incident. Because of an incident. Here, here's what incident, you know, that event, just something occurred. Here they're bringing this man to Jesus, and they know that if this man can get to Jesus, that Jesus would make him well. But what do they find? It's crowded. Can't even get the man in to see Jesus. And they could have said, you know, we tried. We have this incident that occurred. How many times that we say and believe and want to process into another place of building, but we've always got that incident that just seems to come up. You know, that incident. I got to take care of the kids. Kids got to go to sports. And I love sports. Don't get me wrong. I believe in sports. I believe in activities. I believe in, in having your children and things. But let me just tell you, their activities aren't going to get them into the presence of God or into eternity. Your activities might make them well-rounded. And they're so well-rounded, they don't even know which direction they're going because they're so rounded. They're just so involved in so many things. They don't even know what they're doing because they're just so well-rounded. And so well-rounded, they're just spinning in circles. And we got to be careful that we allow the incident. Well, you know. And I get we've got work. We know that. That's why we started a 5 o'clock service. Because we, said, we know we live in a world that has, that has these things. So we want to make room for more. We want to be practical, be realistic. But in our lives, what have we allowed to be the incident? Well, you know that incident that occurred. Some of you aren't allowing Jesus to bring healing because you're stuck in an incident that happened in your past. And you're not willing to allow forgiveness and healing to step in because you're stuck in an incident. And what concerns me is we can be well-matured people of faith and still justify the blockades that we live in. And what we've done is then we create the gospel according to me, according to what I've gone through, according to what I've faced, according to what I've experienced, according to how I've been treated, according to whatever it might be. But this I know, that the cross of Jesus Christ, the gospel, that his blood shed for us is enough once and for all, once and for all, in one time enough and for all people, enough for all men, for all nations, for every person, that the cross of Jesus Christ brings the hope and the redemption that is needed, being careful that we don't live behind the incident and we stop short of making room for more people making room for what, what we tried. But I've got this going on. I've got that happening. You know, it's too crowded in there. It's uncomfortable. I, whatever it might be, the incident that we could allow to hinder us from making more room for more people. Let me give you the last one. And that is this. Worship team's going to come and help me close. And somebody said amen. I was waiting if you fell for that. All right. <laughs> Here's the last one. If we're going to make room for more, we have to not stop because of an inconvenience. Don't stop because of an issue. Don't stop. Even though he was paralyzed, he had an issue. Don't stop. 
Don't stop because of an incident. Man, we tried to get there. The house is crowded. There was no room. Don't stop. Rise above that. I mean, dig a hole in the roof. Who would ever thought of that? Did they bring their tools? or who? What was this? But they just kept digging. I, who knows? I, I have no idea. But someone said, hey, we can find a way. You know, I love people that God brings around me who are like, hey, that sounds like a crazy idea, but if it's unto God, we'll find a way. God will show us how. I, I'm starting a home to help drug addicts, starting an after-school program to reach children, this is, I don't know how, I don't know how we'll do it, but hey, let's, let's find a way. Let's climb to the top of the roof. Let's get our shovels out. Let's dig. But you know what that does? It makes it inconvenient. Do you know how much dirt falls on the inside of a house when you're digging on the roof of a house? Do you know what kind of mess it makes? you know how inconvenient it is to handle those things? I mean, this isn't it. We're trying to have church here. Would you please stop it? You're making a mess and the custodian only cleans on Thursdays. And we have church Wednesday. Stop it. We, it's an inconvenience. You know what that means? We, who's going to pay for that hole? Listen, we're the ones paying the tithes here, and you're making the mess. You're going to have to pay. Do you even tithe? What do you, <laughs> we, we, could, we could create all kinds of things. It's an inconvenience. It's an inconvenience of, you know what I found out though? Ministry is inconvenient. <laughs> Hello? I, I don't know if you, let me say this. Equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build the church, it is absolutely inconvenient. Do you know how it messes with my schedule and with yours? Do you know how it means we have to shuffle and move things around? Because we want to make room for more. We started a year ago, a five o'clock service. Here's why we did it. We did it because we saw that growth is happening. And we believe that God wants to give us wisdom to not just react to things as they happen, but to be prepared and a couple steps ahead of things. How many believe God can give us wisdom and show us ahead of things? I thank God that he's a God who can work in, the, in the, the spontaneous and the emergency, but I also believe he's a God who likes us to be prepared and to have knowledge and to give us wisdom. So we've said, hey, we, we intentionally want to grow. What, why do we want to grow? Well, because there's lost people. There's 140,000 people in Fayette County. We don't know the exact number of them that are saved, but we know, we know this, that less than 8% of Fayette County goes to church. 140,000 people from our less than 8% go to church. So it only seems natural to me that we ought to make more room for people because if we're serious about seeing lost people come to know Jesus and if we're serious about equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry because if you're here long enough, then the Spirit of God at some point is gonna get inside of you and you're like, I gotta bring my friends. I gotta taste and see. I gotta go and tell. I've gotta come to this place and you can't help but wanna bring people if we're preaching Jesus to a place of really knowing and growing and experiencing and catching in our heart. At time, we're gonna be like, hey, we're gonna run out of room here. So we said, let's start a 5 o'clock service. And we, we said, it, there's nothing sacred about that. We, we prayed about it, but we said, hey, let, let's make a decision. We're not going to say, well, I was sleeping one night and the Holy Spirit woke me up. Like, 5 o'clock service. Oh, my goodness, 5 o'clock service. 
Just felt the Spirit of the Lord come over me. No, we said, hey, God, we, we know that you want to move things forward. We can only fit so many, and we only have so many parking spaces, and it's all uphill, and that's a pain in itself. But all of that stuff, so God, help us. Give us wisdom. So we said we're going to start a 5 o'clock service. I think sometimes God's not waiting, or, or God is not at a place of saying, well, you better hit it right, just like I told you. God's saying, you step out, I'll bless you. You step out, I'll meet you there. You step out, I'll come with you. You step out, I'll bless Sometimes we're saying, God, should it be purple or blue, red or white? What do you want, Jesus? Which one? Which one? And he's like, just pick a color. Just go. I'll bless you in the going. Just keep your heart with me. and I mean, not to be rude, but God sometimes is like, pick purple if you like purple. I'm okay with that. Just do it unto me and start going. I'll bless you in the doing. We're sometimes just stuck. Of, oh, we're gonna, oh, buffering, processing, just waiting. Sometimes. Lord, anytime you want to just move me other than now. Lord, and, and I know that ministry, God, I pray you send someone to do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Yeah, there's hurting people. Glad I don't have any drug addicts in my family. Hope they get somebody. Man, glad my marriage isn't like theirs. Oh, wait. Maybe it's not as much as I thought it was. We just keep spinning, 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 spinning. At some point, hey, we might have to be inconvenienced. We started the 5 o'clock service because we said we got to make room for more. So let's just be practical. We started 5 o'clock because we said, hey, we're in a culture people work. So let's do a 5 o'clock because we can help people that work. We're also in a culture of sports and kids involved in Sunday activities. And, and I know I've talked to people before. And, and, and it said, you know, hey, hope you're doing well. And, and, of course, when I talk to people, their first response is, well, let me tell you why I'm not in church. That's not why I'm calling. That's, that's not why I'm, I just want to say hi and make sure everything's okay. And. Well, we got this stuff going on. And so we heard that over time and said, well, people are busy in the morning. Well, they're not scheduling games in the afternoon or evening, so let's have church. So we're busy in the morning. We've got other stuff. So we said, let's start a 5 o'clock service because we said, let's make room for more people. And I've got to be honest with you, we're only getting 50 people in the 5 o'clock service. Now, only 50 people. I try to keep that in perspective. The average church in America is 70 the average church in Fayette County is 30. So, I put all that in perspective and say, let's reach people. Let's reach people. But I thought, God, should we just stop the 5 o'clock service? Because, God, it's inconvenient. The Steelers are going to be playing soon. I mean, I've said to Jody after lunches, man, remember when we didn't have an evening service? But I know I can't let myself rest on a Sunday afternoon, and I'm not the only one. You know why? Because our pastoral team and those that are on the platform, they show up at 7.30 in the morning, and then they stay for worship. And then they stay to about 1 o'clock or whatever that is. And then they go grab something to eat, hang out, laugh together, and then come back by 4.30 and do it for another two and a half hours. I mean, these are volunteers. They're not getting paid for this. I, this is their Sunday. I mean, they got to go to work on Monday. But you know what they do? They come and sometimes they're not going to hide it. They'll say, I'm tired. It's been a long week. It's inconvenient. It's inconvenient. But you know what? It's inconvenient, but the task is too great. I've got to be inconvenienced just for a moment. God's going to send us what we need. I know it takes work. We started the 5 o'clock service. Do you know how much more people we need to do a 5 o'clock service? 
mean, these are the same people coming back at night. And I'll be honest with you, we are blessed because they keep coming and they keep serving and they keep giving. And people at the five o'clock service, we have seen people healed and saved. I'll tell you honestly, if you come to the five o'clock service, you won't know anybody because we didn't move anybody from nine to 11. We just started a whole new church. That's what we did. We started the five o'clock service and just new people came to know Jesus and started a church. So to be honest with you, we didn't even make room in the nine or 11 or move people because we just got new people kind of okay with that but I'm saying to us today you know we we, we want to grow and I'm saying I'm going to make a little plea here it's inconvenient but I wonder if God would stir someone's heart and say you know what I'm going to be a missionary and I'm going to go to the five o'clock service and you say well why are we doing that only for anything more than I know this and I said to God God we're tired to five o'clock it's hit a point it's plateaued we might as well just stop and the Holy Spirit said, no, that's what Christians do all the time. They hit a place when they need to press on, they need to keep going. They say, oh, this isn't working. Let's just stop. This isn't having the effect we wanted to have. Let's just, we're tired. And the Holy Spirit said, if you're going to reach a place and do what you've never done before and see what you've never seen before, you can't stop when you're tired. You've got to just keep going. You, God will get, he'll give us what we need. You've got to press on. You've committed to this. See this through. It's not time to stop yet because there's still lost people who need to know Jesus Christ. And there's still people being equipped to do the work of the ministry. And I don't know if there might be someone here today to say it's time to do the work of the ministry. Let me close with this. Point groups. Talk about sitting together and doing life together. We were at a wedding yesterday, and beautiful wedding, and I saw the groupings of people. And I see this often when I go to weddings, and you know what it's like. Oh, that's the groom's family. That's the bride's family. Uh, they work with them. And you know the groupings. And what was so cool to me, and Jody and I were talking about this, is we're looking around the room, and I'm a people watcher. So probably when I retire, you'll find me at uh, the mall drinking soda and watching people. I watched people and I looked at the groupings and here's one of the cool things at this wedding yesterday. One of the groupings that was at this wedding, the reason they were there is because they were part of a point group. The only way they connected was because they were at a point group together. And now they've done a season of point group together. And now they're at each other's weddings. They're celebrating. They're doing life together. Why? Because they sat together. They served together. They're building relationships. That's the body of Christ growing and coming along. I see it in other groups. We've got other point groups. They're eating crawfish together. Why? I don't know. They like it. Hard shell crabs much better. I don't know. But there's point groups. They're just doing life together. I mean, they're just loving on each other. We had a, had a need and someone said, hey, family or someone we know in our community, they don't even go to church. Their washer broke. They have nothing. And they said to them, I'll pray for you. But then they thought, well, maybe i just see if the church can help them. They happened to call me, send me a message. And so literally I got the message. Jody and I on our day out, our day off, we're out to lunch, having lunch. And I get the message on my phone. I do nothing more than just forward the same message to about 10 contacts that are in my phone that I know are people within the church. Within five minutes, we got a washer to a new family that doesn't even go to church because the body of Christ is just equipped to do the work of the ministry and we work together. 
I got a call one day and someone said to me, said, Pastor, someone really needs help. They need help. They live on this street. They're hurting. There's a lot going on. I could have gone and helped the person, but I knew this. My schedule can only fit so much. There's only so much. If I do that, then this has to suffer, and I have to make a decision of what I need to do. So you know what I did? I sent a message to someone, to another group of people, a ministry team, and someone within an hour came back and said, hey, I go by that street every day. I'll stop by. By the end of that day, they went and prayed with that person, ministered to that person. I've never met them before, but now there's another pastor in the church who doesn't have a title, but is equipped to do the work of the ministry and is going into the community and reaching lost people. Not because I'm reaching more, but because God is building up more people around and they're going into hurting places, picking up people who are on mats and saying, we want to take you to a place of hope. God has given us what we need and it's right here. God is calling each and every one of us to make room for more. He's equipped us to do the work. 15 years ago, not too far north from here, nine people were stuck in a mine. Nine people, when a flood came in, it flooded a neighboring mine and started a breach that went into that mine and they were trapped. First thing they did was immediately responding, the rescuers putting a hole down to get them air, knowing at least to try and help. And then they started the first place of identifying where they are and then began to dig. And as they began to dig about 200 and some feet below, they hit rock and the bit broke. And there was a rock that was so thick, so hard. You know what they did? They kept digging. They kept digging. They kept pushing. They kept moving. Four days later, a miracle happened at the Kew Creek Mine. People watched television all around the world to watch our governor make an announcement from right here in western Pennsylvania to all the world that all nine miners are rescued. God has put us in southwestern Pennsylvania to dig over the rocks of people's lives that are broken and hurting so that all the world would see the miracles of what goes on in lives that are broken, in lives that are hurting, in lives that are destroyed, in lives that have been left for dead. But there's a group of people who said, I've been equipped to do the work of the ministry. I'm going to keep on digging. I'm going to keep on digging. I'm going to keep on digging. There's someone whose life needs to be rescued. God has brought me through and now I'm picking up the shovel and I'm saying, here I am, God. I'm ready to be a part of what you've called me to do. I wonder if there's anyone this morning who says, I'll go. I'll go to the hurting. I'll go to the places. I want to see my world one for Jesus Christ. I'm tired. It's inconvenient. I got schedule. I got stuff, but I've got work to do. I've got a task that is greater than paying the bills, greater than picking out wardrobe, greater than buying a new car. It's seeing every lost person that I know hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And until all the earth hears, I'm going to pick up the shovel. I'm going to keep on digging. I'm tired. I don't want to come back at 5 o'clock, but somebody might show up today who doesn't know Jesus, which by the way, they were in the 9 o'clock service. They came to 5 o'clock service a couple months ago, and they gave their heart to Jesus Christ, and this morning, they were in the 9 o'clock service. You know why? Because a team of people came to a 5 o'clock service and said, well, let's just keep digging. We're tired. We've been doing this all day. Let's just keep digging because someone needs to know Jesus Christ. I wonder if there's more people to help start digging. You know why? Because we want to see broken lives restored and a stunned world say I've never seen anything like this before